Welcome to That's Anita Live, the talk show dedicated to providing emotional healing through sharing to help you create a happier life. My guest today is here to help you be a better parent. She's the 2019 DC Mother of the Year by American Mothers Inc. and has been immersed by parent education for over 17 years, beginning with the Parent Encouragement Program where she serves on the board of directors. She also hosts Parenting 411 on WOLB 1010 AM, where she explores various matters affecting family life, from discipline, communications, and education to achieving work-life balance. Welcome, Carol, to the show. Thank you so much. I, I really am looking forward to talking with you. Parenting 411. Yes. Where, where'd that name come from? Well, it came from the idea that I want to share information. That's the tagline for the show. Okay. Uh, information parents need from sources they can trust. So I've spent a lot of time over the years. You, uh, you mentioned my experience with the Parent Encouragement Program, and I'm not on the Board of Directors now. I had served on the Board of Directors, but uh, through that process, I've, I've inter interacted with a lot of families, heard about a lot of different situations, and I've done a lot of reading, and I did, had to do a lot of training to earn my certification as a parent educator, so it is information that they can trust. Well, I, I think the biggest qualifier that you have hmm. It was your own experience with parenting. Oh, absolutely. Your parenting boot camp having two boys. Yes, twin sons. <laughs> that, that's absolutely right. And in fact, I went to take a parenting class when they were toddlers, and then my next career was born. Really? Yes. Okay, what made you take that parenting class? Well, the fact that they were twins and they had very different temperaments and I had heard from adult friends who were twins that said that they felt their parents really treated them as one unit Whoa. and made them wear the same clothes when they were well past the age of wanting to do that mm -hmm. and maybe participate in the same activities. And so I really wanted to think about a different way because I saw how different they were and each of them had unique gifts okay. and I wanted to nurture that individually. I wanted to resist the urge to say, well, one boy acts more like me or something like that, mm -hmm. so we're just gonna pull the other one along. I really wanted them to let, I wanted to let them be who they were. What is the toughest issue facing parents today? <laughs> well, from what I'm hearing from them, a lot of it is managing the uh, technology and, and all of that because their children are obsessed with it and they kind of don't know how to, to set limits on it. Oh. And I'm hearing a lot, unfortunately, about bullying. Really? Yes. And that parents don't know the correct way to respond to it? It makes them feel lost or? With bullying? Yes. Or, uh, yes, and they they also, as you might imagine, they're just hurt. It hurts them inside mm -hmm. to see their children uh, hurting and being harmed emotionally and certainly sometimes physically. Okay. And so hopefully educators are starting to look at this differently, but for a time there it was sort of, well, that's how it is growing up and you have to develop a tough skin and that sort of thing, or kids will be kids. 
And so I think increasingly we're starting to see the emotional harm, psychological yes. harm uh -huh. that it's doing. So some parents are feeling very helpless, not knowing what to do. I, I, I'm not sure if you have heard about instances where parents have been recently going into, into the school. There's two high-profile incidents where the mothers went directly into the school and went into the classroom mm -hmm. and uh, told the children to stop messing. Not my with. baby. Right, which mm -hmm. they're, they're adults, those are children. Looks like bullying to me. You're not gonna be bullying my child. Right, I, and I certainly can understand the sentiment, if but If you say something to bullying. this one, we all coming down there. <laughs> they're bullying. <laughs> so, and in different, in different cases, uh, we don't know whether they tried to work it out with the school and have okay. the school work out the situation or do, if they contacted the parents. Even. Do you think that they are moving to such an extreme because mm. so many kids, especially nine, ten, very young ages, are committing suicide in response to bullying? So when they hear that their child is being bullied, they just go to over the roof reacting. Oh, that's certainly part of it. That's certainly part of it. Uh, and a lot of times they may feel that the school is not uh, doing enough. Sometimes they're not telling the school because sometimes the student barely wants to let the parents know about it. Mm -hmm. And so then they don't tell, uh, tell the school until things really escalate. So I think as soon as there's any indication, you really have to let the teacher know and, and work yourself, work your way up the, the chain to let people know and, and talk to those parents. And then I don't know if there would be any legal consequences, okay. but that's what I would do. With social media, hmm. what are your recommendations to parents on how to limit, manage, Mm -hmm. their child's access to social media. Well, the interesting thing is you limit their access to it the way you limit their access to other things that have nothing to do with electronics. It's all about your values and how much time you feel your child needs to engage in a particular activity. Okay. It really just extends to social media. However, I, you also want to you don't want to shy away from electronics and electronic communication and the internet and all of that mm -hmm. because as we know, it can certainly be a resource. So it's all about educating our children about the benefits, what they can get out of uh, social media and also electronic communication, okay. but also teaching them how to set up boundaries for themselves and we're kind of in the background making sure that they do so there's a there might be a limit to how much time they can spend on it uh, during the day or you may say that it can only be done um, on the weekends things like that but we have to another thing we have to remember though is that social media is really how they're they're interacting they're not on the phone the way maybe you and I were yes. when we were younger now, unfortunately, they're also not outside playing as much as we did either. And that's something that, again, if that's a value that you have, um, encourage them to go outside, to, to, now, leave, to leave that alone. Before we leave the social media, should a parent feel mm. they have to master every social media platform that comes along? Uh, I don't know if they actually have to master it, but they certainly should be aware of it and what, they, what the different platforms do, what they're good for, okay. how children are using them. 
I, absolutely. And also, there are just varying ways that they can uh, have control. They can maybe know the child's password, especially younger children. Or at any given time, there, because one thing that we talked about in our house was that uh, any time that we, we walk through and you're on your social media and we want to see the phone, we want to see the phone, like mm. right then. Don't, don't turn anything <laughs> off, don't exit anything, and the time, the one time we can't do that, well then you don't have the phone, those sorts of things. Wow. So, yeah. Playing outside. Well, playing outside, that okay. You want to, how important is it? Oh. Wow, it's very important. I mean, obviously getting exercise. Because they don't do it anymore. They don't do it anymore. That is, it's really surprising because I spent all my time outside. Yeah, I did so, too. So, uh, because it's important for getting the exercise, getting the fresh air, and I can say, and this was probably true with you, that when you were outside playing, you really kind of made your fun. You made activities. Mm -hmm. You tried building things, and, and things didn't work out, so you, figured out what went wrong yes. and, and tried it again. And there's a lot of learning that can happen outside. Uh, playing kickball, all of that, having, in the neighborhood and, and doing things like that. We used to have our own mini track meets and, and whatnot <laughs> uh, in the alley. Mm -hmm. So I was very, very, very active, far more active than a lot of these children are today. And riding bikes. Because what you find sometimes with children today is they might be, 11 years old not knowing how to ride a bike because they don't spend much time outside. outside. Oh. <laughs> so. On, on your radio show, mm -hmm. what are some of the, I guess, hot topics that parents really give you a lot of feedback on? Oh, well, certainly any time that we talk about uh, discipline and communication, with children, that gets a lot of, um, gets quite a few phone calls. But I'll tell you, sometimes the issues are not directly, they're not traditional parenting okay. issues. They are, because that's the beauty of the show, I like to be able to talk about more than schoolwork, bullying, and uh, positive discipline. Mm -hmm. We do talk about it. But there are other things going on in society that affect the family, things that families are worried about. And so the election, uh, the 2016 election, was really, really a hot topic. Uh, in fact, the show that I had after the election, I mm -hmm. had uh, a show two days, uh, three days after the election, the, the, the listeners pretty much ran the show. I had a framework, but I just let them talk about what their, what their concerns were about the election and what they thought uh, about our country, where we were headed, and that sort of thing. So, and they're obviously concerned about it, uh, not only for themselves, but for their children. Number one concern. Number one concern. Uh, In regards to the 2016 election. <laughs> uh, wow. Well, they, they, they were just concerned about the example that okay. was set for their children. I was going to say, was it the anxiety of the unknown or the uh, example of the current political climate? Right. So in re regarding their children, it was what they're seeing in terms of how, how they how they're allowed to conduct themselves uh, because here's some here are people that are in high 
high offices and high positions of power and mm -hmm. how they're mm -hmm. conducting themselves, what are the children going to learn from that? Now, the parents themselves were anxious about the unknown, what's yeah. going to happen with the economy and, and all of that. And, and actually, not just the economy, but our relationships with other countries. Okay. We'll be right back to dwell more into Mother of the Year experience. Here's what you miss when you're not in studio with That Anita Live. <laughs> Last stop on the bus to the first stop on the bus, right? And then you get on the seven train, last stop on the seven train, to the first stop on the seven train, 42nd Street, then you transfer street, you transfer into the one. You want it. Yes. But then I'd make it up there. Okay, one second. How hard is it to deliver food? Please tell a man to just leave the food at the front desk. Because you know I'm at the end of my toilet paper roll, and so I can talk to multi generations, you know? I can. Ooh, I think it was when I talked to his wife. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even mention this in a book. No, you didn't. <laughs> Please, spill the tea. You know. Did that. Come on. I love to have you in my audience. And we're back at That and Did It Live, and I am here with the 2019 DC Mother of the Year. So being DC's 2019 Mother of the Year, what would you say are the three most important tasks or jobs of a mother? Oh, okay, so that's a challenge to distill it into three, but I would, I would have to say that a mother needs to teach their children how to love, how to do, and how to serve. Oh, and okay. so when I'm talking about love, I feel like mothers in their role as the first nurturer, mm -hmm. they're uniquely positioned to cultivate love in a child's heart. And so I think that mothers can model love okay. by the way they treat the child, the way they treat other, um, the family members, and very importantly to teach their child how to um, love him or herself. And so after that, I think it's very important to teach children um, how to do things. They need to learn how, they need learn to learn life skills mm -hmm. and how to practice self-care, how to take okay. care of their own belongings, and then to expand out to doing tasks that help the family, that benefit others in their family and in their community. And that's very important because it helps to instill self-esteem and mm -hmm. confidence mm -hmm. because they know that they can add value. We all want to add value. We yeah. all want to help. And so when children feel that the people around them don't value them, mm -hmm. don't think they can help, they find ways to get your attention to prove that they can help. And sometimes that results in misbehavior. Yes and it can be harmful to themselves, it can be harmful to other people. And so, it's, so that's why it's important to, to teach them how to do things, do productive things. And then finally, very, and very closely related to that, is how to be of service to other people, how to use what they know how to oh, do okay, okay. to be of service to, to other people. And that also helps them to be in touch with the fact that what they do or don't do has an impact on people around them mm -hmm. and that what they do has consequences for good or for bad. 
And so that helps to instill self-control and self-discipline that will guide them for the rest of their lives. So tell me about the experience of being Mother of the Year. Well, it really is an honor, first of all. And um, American Mothers is an organization that's been around. They've been naming um, state honorees and National Mother of the Year since 1935. And they are a nonpartisan organization. And they own the trademark to Mother of the Year. And they are the official sponsor of Mother's Day. Oh, and so okay. each year, uh, Nominations are taken, as a matter of fact. I'd like to let everyone know that nominations are open now until September 15th. If you would like to nominate a Mother of the Year from your state, you can visit AmericanMothers.org. And so what they're usually looking for uh, is not only mothers, but mothers who have had an impact in their own family, but also that work to support mothers in their community. And so I was nominated for that for um, DC. And actually, um, the DC Mother of the Year can also uh, reside uh, within the Beltway. So outside okay. of DC, but within the Beltway. OK. Mm -hmm. So tell me what that experience was like. How did you, from one, first year that you were nominated, and two, what was your reaction when you found out you won? Oh, well, um, again, it was, it was really an honor. Uh, to be nominated and so they reached out to me, sent me a beautiful card and asked for more information about what I do and we had a, actually had to submit a portfolio uh, to, for them to look at and consider and so then I received uh, a phone call that I had been in fact named uh, District of Columbia Mother of the Year and so then it was all about preparing for the upcoming convention. And so as I um, had mentioned, it's the 84th annual convention that was held uh, the last weekend in April uh, at the Mayflower Hotel in, over in DC. And they also let us know that we had to um, give a speech. And every year, this is something that they do. And so this year's speech was themed, America, this is your mother speaking. Ah. So <laughs> that was... Okay. That was really wonderful, and 46 mothers all together um, attended the convention and presented, uh, presented speeches, and they were just, I was just um, awed by how much we had in common. Uh, and we had mothers that were from big cities, small towns, mm -hmm. rural, and uh, different races, ethnicities, religions, and all of that. And we all have a lot of the same concerns about our children. So it was a real sisterhood and camaraderie, if you will, that was formed right away. What were the tenets of the speech that you gave at the 84th convention? Uh, my partic my mm -hmm. particular speech, I was talking about college and that all children should be en encouraged to go if they want to. And so I sort of walk through the experience of one of my sons because at different points in his life I felt like people were doubting his potential. And so I said that children should be able to go to college if they want to. Parents should speak life into the heart of their children because they are listening. And that children should not be forced to be what they don't want to be because at one point well-meaning 
teachers had encouraged my son to kind of go into some other things, like not college. Mm -hmm. And I said, no child should have to be what they don't want to be if they are willing to work for their dream. And my son certainly was. And at the end, I said that every child, not just my child that I was championing, championing uh, all of these years should be able to go to college, but I want that for every child. And then I held up the four college acceptance letters that he received. Wonderful. <laughs> Thank you. How does your family feel about having DC Mother of the Year under their roof? Oh, I think they, well, one of my sons uh, was was at home. He he was at home during that time when it came through, and he said, "Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, of course you should be. <laughs> of course you should be." I I really wasn't sure because you know as teenagers get older, sometimes they're cynical and it's like, oh, yeah, whatever." But he actually uh, thought it was pretty cool. So my family's been uh, supportive. Mm -hmm. What are some of the ways working with American mothers that uh, you've been supportive of other families? Oh, well, prior to working with American Mothers, I've been in community organizations and sororities. And also with my company, uh, I co-founded a company called Gardner Parenting Consultants. And I also work with families there, doing workshops and classes. So I've been working with families a lot. And as we talked about, when you have children, very often their parents in that circle they become your friends and you become involved yes. in a lot of activities that way too. So I've always been involved with their schools. I served on the board of directors for one of their schools. So I've been involved that way with helping other families. What's been the most fulfilling? Most fulfilling? Let's see. Um, well, probably the, the radio show has been very, very fulfilling. As I okay. had shared with you um, earlier, it, this is my fifth year doing that. And so it's just, it's been very, very fulfilling. I've met a lot of people. I've been able to cover a lot of information. And it's very, it's the most fulfilling right now. All of it has been fulfilling, but I feel like it's just kind of a, a different area for me, and I've, I've really enjoyed it. In the theme of America, this is your mother talking. Mm -hmm. The current climate of parenting, politics, community, what would you say to parent, new parents right now mm -hmm. that are struggling with finding their way to being a good parent? Mm -hmm. Well, I really think it goes back to your values because society, as, as we can see, there are a lot of things now that are acceptable that weren't acceptable when we were younger. Yes. And I just believe that if we don't, if we don't, we don't agree with these changes, we need to hold fast to what's important to us and we need to, uh, cultivate that in our own children and then also explain to them and let them know that they're going to be people that are going to do things that are different mm -hmm. but here's what we believe in our family and this is what this is what we're going to hold to and help them to become firm and strong in that. It can be rather difficult when the community I guess or the your inner circle mm -hmm. is so diverse Mm -hmm. And the other parents 
have uh, looser values, mm -hmm. I'll say. Mm -hmm. How does your child get the, I guess, the confidence or the courage to say, no, that's not going to be acceptable? Well, again, it has a lot to do with what you do to really, uh, to really help them to buy into what what you believe in. So it's your family, your family, spending time with your family, extended family as well, having them know their history, know mm -hmm. what they're a part of, mm -hmm. know the journey that their family has taken that can cultivate a lot of pride and confidence in them. And I'm not saying it won't be difficult, but at least let them understand why you hold certain values dear. Okay. And at the same time, we do have to be open to some new things, some new advances and things that go on. I mean, because look, I didn't grow up with Facebook and a phone and all right, of that, right. yet it can bring value. So it's really just to help them understand as they embrace new technology or new customs or, or whatever, still recognize how that helps or works with your value system mm -hmm. or how it might be taking you away from it and to be conscious of the decisions that they're making. That's, that's the best way that I think you can do it. What's the best way to co-parent? To co-parent, do you mean, uh, because we talk about co-parenting with families that, parents that may have divorced or separated, yes. do you mean that? Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. But Well, certainly by focusing, remembering that it's all about the child. You are on the child's team. So putting, putting, aside, putting aside your own interests, and if you need a mediator, you need somebody to help you with that, by all means, get that, because the child is important. And you know, to the extent that you can, try to get on the same page. Remember, it's all about the child. Use their ways, because sometimes when emotions are raw, sometimes parents have a hard time connect, being in the same room together or whatever. Mm -hmm. There are, now there are electronic tools that help with that. Because for example, if you are not able to have a civil conversation on the telephone to talk about arrangements for when the child is going to uh, go over to visit one parent mm -hmm. or the other and you want to communicate that you need to make sure, for example, the child has an activity or something going on in school and you need to let the other parent know. If you cannot have a decent conversation, email or, as I said, there are different apps and things that help facilitate that. Put the information there so that the, that the other parent can get the information. I know parents that have two of everything because the Is parents that? have divorced mm -hmm. and the, they cannot be in the same room at the same time. Sure. There were two uh, kindergarten graduation mm. parties. Mm. There are two birthday parties. Mm -hmm. And it gets difficult for those of us that are on the peripheral because we get invited to both. Right. Sometimes one parent feels slighted if the one date works and the other one does it and you can't show up. Yes. How do we maneuver? Now, do you mean we as in the people on the outside? Yes. How do they maneuver? Well. Because the child has not come to expect mm -hmm. two of everything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> wow! <laughs> no, you brought that. You brought that gift to my mommy's house for my party. What are you bringing to my daddy's house for my party? Wow. 
Well, I tell you, if there are a couple of ways, a couple of things you can do with that, especially with little children. I mean, maybe it's a different type of gift then if you under if if they're expecting two gifts. <laughs> I, and, and really, this is really a short-term measure because really someone should talk to the families because I because you f you're put into a difficult t position mm -hmm. where you're disappointing the child mm -hmm. when really this doesn't have to be. Every episode we bring you the best in emotional wellness and mental health. Nobody can stress your nerves like your children, very true. However, good parenting is attentive parenting. To reach out to Carol, find her on Instagram at theparenting411. Make the commitment to be the best parent your child can have. I'm Anita, your host. Be sure to check out thatsanitalive.com for where and when to see our next episode.